this thing and you're like I'm ready for it and then you get there and you're like I'm not ready for this and so I think level. that like yeah you have to play yeah you've got to play all the levels to, to be able to beat the game and so just staying faithful to that process and staying curious and chasing those ideas I think is like it's a long-term play but it's it's the only way I know that, that, works out. that makes it work yeah You're listening to the Creative Pep Talk Podcast. Creative Pep Talk helps you build a thriving creative career. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. You can stay up to date with Creative Pep Talk and check out my creative work at Andy J. Pizza on Instagram. Go check it out. So we got our first factor meals and I am pumped to tell you about them. First off, we absolutely loved them. Delicious chef's kiss for the chef crafted dietitian approved meals that come straight to your door. I can definitely see how when deadlines are out of control or you're in a super busy season, how factor meals can lighten your load while still giving you options like veggie, vegan, and even low calorie Get as much or as little as you need by choosing six to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can even pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Head to factormeals.com slash peptalk50 and use code peptalk50 to get 50% off. That's code peptalk50 at factormeals.com slash peptalk50 to get 50% off. Yo, this is a big one, so I want to get to it real quick, but a little bit of housekeeping. First thing I got to tell you is that uh, I opened a few of the creative career consulting slots on creativepeptalk.com slash shop, um, where you can do some like portfolio review or uh, some consulting on your career. There's only a few slots that have been going super fast, so if you want to do that, go check that out. Today's episode is with my best buddy, Kyle Sheely, who is a professional public speaker and all-around creative uh, guy who makes crazy things out of cardboard that are insanely amazing. He was one of the few speakers we had at the Creative Pep Rally last year, and he knocked everybody's socks off, brought down the house with his talk. Uh, It was mostly about Blue's Clues. Um, (laughs) It was super good and very creative pep Um, talk-ish. Kyle has been instrumental in helping me as a speaker, uh, helping me grow, helping me to navigate those waters. Uh, And in this episode, we're going to talk through kind of three different things. Um, The first thing we're going to talk about is how he has pivoted his speaking career to include his creative projects and how he and I were kind of at um, different points of the same cross section where I was trying to do more speaking, like pivot from doing my creative work to be doing more speaking stuff and he was doing the opposite and and how we navigated that and how we've tried to... um, use these uh, d- differences and integrate them into our career in meaningful ways. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about uh, tips for public speaking. Whoever you are, wherever you are, getting better at public speaking is a game changer when the opportunity arises. 
which it inevitably will. And uh, a lot of these tips that he shares have really, really helped me level up my speaking game. And uh, so you're gonna wanna hear that. And then lastly, we're gonna talk about his project that he's doing right now called Viking Funeral. And uh, you can go check it out at vikingfuneral.me. And it's this crazy project where he's building this like, I don't know, like 30 foot uh, Viking ship out of cardboard that he's gonna set on fire uh, with a bunch of note cards that have things that uh, about people that they wanna let go of themselves, things from their past that they wanna move on from. And he's gonna talk more in depth about that uh, later in the show. And uh, you're gonna wanna stick around for that. So, all right, without further ado, here is my buddy, Kyle Sheely. We're at. We're gonna run the risk of turning this into one of our usual conversations, uh, and that so could be up fine for a four-hour podcast. <laughs> I do feel like my wife hates that I met another speaker, and uh, you know she likes you okay and everything, but uh, but <laughs> she we'll, likes me okay. <laughs> Uh, but Man, I thought we were friends. No, she loves you, but she hates you for uh, your ability to uh, keep me on the phone for hours. I just remember that one time that you called me and you're like, this is going to be real quick. And then we talked for <laughs> four hours. Liter- literal four while hours. While I was driving. Literal four Not, hours because yeah. I was driving somewhere. And then I looked down and I was like, we've been on the phone for four hours. Who would have thought so. that speakers have stuff to say? Like, and yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> we got caught. Yeah, we got caught up in that. Um, yeah. So uh, I don't know. What, we're going to keep this one concise. Though. We're going to try. Uh, yeah. wh- when did we meet? Was it when we first like connected was probably a little over a year ago or probably about a year. year. I, I, uh, it's been at least I'd say like a year, year and a half. I think it was like late summer because I, I know it's been over a year because that uh, Facebook post that you shared today about your kid. I remember commenting on that. Uh, year. Right. So <laughs> yeah. it's been over a year. Uh, uh, yeah. All right. And, I, I want to say like late summer, early fall, something like that. Yeah. And so at the time you were going through an interesting transition in your creative business where you had a couple of kind of contradictory or seemingly unrelated threads going on between your speaking career, because you're like a full-time speaker, and your creative endeavors. Uh, so maybe yeah. you could just like give us a background of how you got into public speaking and like what it is you actually do for a living for people that don't know that this industry exists. By people that don't know, I think you mean almost everyone. Pretty much. It's like a secret society of people. Yeah, totally <laughs> and, true. And, and when you say explain what you do for a living, I think I should just save this for my family because I don't think anyone like <laughs> that I know is like, what does Kyle really do? Like, <laughs> like, uh, yeah. He's home all the time, and then sometimes he just flies around a lot. So. Yeah, so, yeah, so you so can just I, have uh, this on, like, you know, record it on your phone, and when someone asks that, yeah, you just I'll hand just, it to him. I'll just yeah. email it to him. Yeah, that's um, good. So I am a, I am, I hate almost all of these words, but I am a motivational youth speaker, <laughs> and, um, and whatever you think of when you think of that is probably the opposite of what I actually do. I think and that's so probably true. I do, yeah, I do a lot of uh, high school assemblies, and then I work with leadership groups. Um, the technical term is CTSOs, which is Career and Technical Student Organizations. Right. So that would be groups like. FBLA, which is Future Business Leaders of America, and FCCLA, which is Future Career and Community Leaders of America, or FFA, Future Farmers of America. And there's all these groups that are uh, typically high school uh, oriented. There's some, sometimes they have chapters in junior high. 
uh, and they are for students who at least have some inkling that I think I might want to do this when I grow up. And these are groups that are designed to facilitate that. And so um, like FBLA is for kids who are like, I think I want to go into business. And so it's all about teaching you in high school, like what you might want to know about business. And so Mm. when you go to an FBLA conference, every kid there is wearing a suit, like they're very professional buttoned up and their events and competitions are all around like giving business presentations, putting together a business plan and you go to FFA and it's all agriculture Mm. and it's all about like, what are the upcoming trends in agriculture? And they even, they do stuff like showing livestock at their events. And so I'll go to an FFA event and they'll just be like a pen full of like cows and pigs and stuff. And it's awesome. Like think about uh, like uh, that, that's a tough open. That's a tough thing to follow up is like a really beautiful cow or like, and then it's time for Kyle to come is out. Is it? Is it? Or maybe that's a maybe that's <laughs> maybe ideal. Maybe it's like yeah. a great setup. I don't know. The past half an hour, we've been looking at a cow, so you just have yeah. to be better than that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I do a lot of uh, a lot of events for those those groups. They'll have conferences. They'll have you know, state conferences, regional conferences, national conferences, and, and so I fly around and do those. And then from those, uh, students see me there, and then they'll have me come and talk to their school. Mm-hmm. So. That's that's the bulk of my uh, speaking business. Uh, I've occasionally done some some creative talks. I did one at uh, Creative Pep Rally, yeah. and I've done some for some other groups, and and I'm doing more of that uh, every year. It seems like, and then uh, a random like corporate event here and there. I just did an event that was literally a hundred percent accountants, and uh, <laughs> and it went phenomenally well. I was like, man, I have nothing in common with these people. Yeah. I'm not like I'm the opposite of an accountant, but but it was great, and and they were awesome. So. Um, yeah. It's funny that I became a speaker because I wasn't that big of a fan of speakers when I was in high school. Yeah. I was a good kid in high school. I was like student body president. I was a leader. I didn't like, I was very like straight laced, like don't do any bad things at all. And so when a speaker would come in and be like, don't do drugs, I'd be like, why are you yelling at me? I'm not doing drugs already, you know? And, yeah. and all, they were very like concerned with all the stuff that you shouldn't do. And I was like, I got that down, man. Like I, I know yeah. what not to do, but I never knew what to do. You know, like mm-hmm. I was this kid that had all this creative energy and oftentimes was using that in destructive ways to like be a distraction into the class or like, you know, get a laugh or whatever. And I didn't know like how to channel that into like leadership stuff. And so yeah. that's kind of what I tend to focus on when I, when I deal with students is, uh, listen, you know, all the stuff not to do. I'm not going to get up here and tell you not to do drugs. And I'm not going to get up here and tell you like, you don't do drugs. If that, if you're on the fence about that, but, but like, I'm not going to convince you in an hour. Instead, I want to talk to you about what you can do and what you should do and what positive actions you can take to make a difference in the world. So I think that's that's why students, yeah, they expect it to be like, Oh, this guy's going to tell me what not to do, or he's going to ask me to start doing something I don't want to do. And I'm like, no, I want to figure out what were you uniquely wired and put here on earth to do? And how yeah. can you just blow that out of the water in an amazing way? And I and think that resonates. Sorry. Um, and I, you know, uh, I, way back in the day, I heard Bill Hybels from uh, Willow Creek talk about like trying to figure out what it is you're going to be doing with your life. And one of the things that he said um, that I think is really powerful is this idea that it might not be your passion, but it might be uh, connected to like a better road mark might be something that you can't stand. And I think for me, yeah. uh, you know, one of the things that would happen in, in regards to speaking, at least, would be I'm super passionate when would, when someone would get up there and kind of miss the opportunity of speaking in front of people. Yeah. Uh, and, and I wonder if, uh, did you feel like that when you were a student of like, man, you're doing it all wrong. Like, you know, it doesn't have to be like this. Was that, were, did you feel critical of those speakers? Yeah. Well, I, I think I just always felt like, 
dude, the whole school is here to see you and you're terrible. Like yes, why, you know, right. why is it like, you know, it, this is such a, a huge opportunity there. One of the things that people, um, like Jason Freed from uh, 37 signals, he, I think this is him. He talks about like meetings and like when you calculate how much a meeting costs a company, it's such a waste mm. of time because you've got like 20 people in there for an hour. That's 20 hours that you're paying people. Is yeah. this meeting worth 20 hours? Yeah. And that's the thing. When you calculate, I've got a thousand students here for an hour. Was this worth a thousand hours of time? And so like most of the time, the speakers I saw growing up were not. And, and it yeah. was like, they kind of assumed, well, the whole school is going to be here. They're going to have to sit here for an hour. So like, you know, they didn't put that much time into it. So I'm always trying to go like, I want everyone to get a bunch out of this because I realize like how much of an investment of student time this is for yeah. everyone to be here. And uh, yeah, I, I think having respect for your audience and, and just carrying that weight of like, this is a big deal. Like they flew me across the country to talk to these people. I should yep. take that seriously. And I think, you know, uh, we've talked about this a lot about this idea of like, what's, uh, you know, super about you might seem might come so natural that you yeah. don't even notice it. But so, you know, if you see someone doing something and it's so obvious how to do it better and successfully and profitably, like maybe just don't assume that that's obvious to everybody. Oh, yeah, uh, dude, that's you know been my I mean? entire life. Like I, I always I, I didn't realize like until I started speaking professionally. Now I have students come up all the time and they'll say, oh, man, that was amazing. Like I want to do what you do. And, and they'll go, but I have like crippling stages fright how did you overcome that and i'm always like i don't know how to tell you this but i have never experienced stage fright in my life and so maybe this is the worst thing for a motivational speaker to say i'm like maybe if you have crippling stage fright don't be a public speaker uh yeah. because that's like you you shouldn't be doing a job where every day you have to overcome like your biggest fear in life and and so like that was a thing for me as i realized whenever people would talk about stage fright i'm like i have no idea what that is like i know what it yeah. is but i have no yeah. idea what that feels like i've never had that i was the kid that was the opposite where they were like Kyle get off the stage like you've been up there like, I would just you know go too long and so I think that yeah you you don't realize your superpower because everybody else uh like you you don't live in everyone else's life and so you just assume everyone's like this and I've had yeah. so many times like that where I'm talking to someone I'm like yeah but this is so easy and they're like no that's actually like not easy at all and I see yeah. the the same thing you know that sounds super egotistical but I see that in other people too where they're where they're like oh well, I'm good at this but everyone's good at that and I'm like no I'm terrible at that you yes. know like the yeah. accountants conference I'm like you guys should all be doing like my taxes because yeah. I, I have no <laughs> idea what I'm doing so uh yeah I mean I, I think recognizing Recognizing your own superpowers is is uh, is hard, and and you know that's a big task of life, and will help you unlock a lot of stuff. Yep, that's that's totally true. So you so you were over the past I don't know five seven years whatever building up this speaking career, and you've done really well, and you, and you're booked at uh, great opportunities, and have a great salary, and all that kind of stuff, um, and you love doing all that stuff, yeah, and all that. But while you've been doing that, you've also had this kind of secret side of creativity <laughs> uh, brewing. Could you tell us, uh, tell the audience a little bit about that stuff and how that kind of, you could just give like some examples of the projects you've done and, and what happened there. Yeah, so I, I am like, I'm really, really terrible about uh, monotasking. I can't do one thing at a time. Even if I know yeah. like this is the one thing I really need to be doing, I'm yeah. always like, but I had this idea for this other thing. And yeah. I've gotten better over the years at like filtering those, but I've always been a guy who had to have a creative side project going. And, and I've always been a guy who like, um, 
like people talk about the muse or whatever. I like I don't feel like uh, my muse is like a thing that visits me and it's like, hey, here's an idea you might want to work on. I feel like my muse just grabs me and it's like, you're doing this. Yeah. You have no choice in the matter. And so like like sometimes got... you'll you'll text me like 18 texts at 3 a.m. <laughs> Because you're like, <laughs> yeah. dude, I just figured it all out. Here's exactly that's what why, I want to do. Here's the I'm... script that I woke up with. Like, yeah. literally. Yeah. That's why you have your phone in Do Not Disturb mode, and <laughs> I'm excluded from that. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, because, yeah, I, I get these ideas, and then I'm just like, uh, I have to do these. And, yeah. And so it's funny. My wife now recognizes, like, she can tell when an idea is something that I'm like, yeah, this is an idea I had. And she can, like, talk to me rationally about that, like a human being, and be like, well, here's some thoughts. And then she can also tell on the flip side when I'm like, here's an idea that I might do. And she's like, I can already tell this is an idea that you're going to do. So <laughs> you're not at, you're not like you think that you're asking me for permission or whatever, but we both know that's not true. So <laughs> so some of the examples, I've done a lot of weird stuff over the years. Like when I first got started speaking, uh, I just it was like right when the app store came online and everyone wanted to make apps. And so I yeah. made this app called Beard My Baby that just put yeah. beards onto pictures of babies. Yeah. I don't, it just seemed like a thing that the world needed at the time. And, yeah. uh, and it was, it was really fun. It was a fun experience. I had no idea how to make an app. And so I had to go through all of that. Um, and then there was a period of time when I was like speaking and I was working, uh, I kind of helped start this side project, uh, called ridiculous. And, um, we would just launch ridiculous projects on, on Kickstarter and stuff. So we did, um, when it's the first one we ever did was called uh, 99 shades of gray and it was when 50 shades of gray came out and and i made this stupid very insidery designer kind of joke that I, your audience will get it because you guys yeah, are all true. art people uh yeah. which is that in grayscale uh there's actually 99 shades of gray not 50 shades of gray because it goes from zero to 100 so zero is white 100 is black so there's actually 99 shades of gray and so i was like what are they hiding from us with only publishing 50 shades of gray <laughs> What's I'm going to publish all, dirt, yeah. Like <laughs> what are the other side? shades? What yeah. are they leaving out? They can't even put that in the book. Yeah. That's, and that, those, uh, those you think that's censored. dirty. Wait till you see all 99. So I was like, <laughs> I'm going to publish a book that's literally just shades of gray. It's just going to be 99 different shades of gray. And, uh, and I thought no one's going to get this. It's going to be very like small scale insider joke that only designers will get. And, and, and then, by the way, can I, do, sorry, uh, just yeah, to ahead. clarify, this is a book that is literally like a hundred pages showing gray. each yeah. shade of gray <laughs> yep and yeah. uh and and then we put it on kickstarter and we were trying to raise six hundred dollars to like because that was like we talked to all these publishers and they're like our minimum quantity is this and we're like well what's the re- like lowest thing that you can possibly print yeah. and it was six hundred dollars and we i have emails from that time where people were like there's no way we're not gonna raise six hundred dollars <laughs> we ended up raising uh almost ten thousand dollars it was like nine thousand nine hundred forty four dollars and we shipped books all over the world. It was this oh whole stupid gosh. thing. Yeah. So we did projects like that. And then the follow-up to that was we launched a fake marathon for people who want to be able to say that they've run a marathon but like don't actually want to do it. So we uh, <laughs> we like printed T-shirts and running like re- legit race bibs. And everything was like our own custom designs. Like no like, you know, one-off, like off-the-shelf kind of thing. Everything was one-off. And uh, – and, we we made custom metals that we had like forged at you know whatever wherever they make metals and and that was another project we were trying to raise a thousand dollars we raised a thousand dollars within forty five minutes and then we went on to raise like twenty three thousand dollars and and we had like over a thousand people that that ran in the fake race and from 24 different countries around the world and we were in runner's world magazine they like did a little oh blurb gosh. about it which is so funny because the whole impetus for that project was my friend grant who runs marathons all the time he was like dude you should do it you should run marathons and i was like no that sounds terrible and so then this after, for the after 
Go ahead. Yeah. So then when I, when we got featured in runner's world magazine, uh, I called him and I was like, dude, uh, Hey, like how many marathons have you run? And he was like, uh, between marathons and half marathons, probably like 15. And I was like, Oh, that's cool, dude. Like how many times have you been in runner's world? And he was like, I've never been in runner's world. And I was like, (laughs) I have sucker. (laughs) uh, That's amazing. This is for the guy that like one, you know, is crazy about the club. Sounds fantastic, man. You know, you heard about a marathon, getting the sweet kit, talking about it the months leading up to the race, getting the the bumper stickers and everything, but really just doesn't want to run. Yeah, that's yeah. Hard. And yeah. it was it was called Run Free because it was free of running. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, awesome. and so, yeah, it was stuff like that. It, well, and, and then on the day of the race, uh, we had everyone would put on their bibs and then go outside and like pretend, like take a, just a picture of themselves pretending to run down the street and then just post it with a hashtag. So if you like search, this is four years ago, but if you search yeah. that hashtag, you would just see all these pictures of what people in the same running bibs and some of them were wearing the race t-shirts and stuff. <laughs> They'd be holding up their medals and you would just be like, yeah, this looks like an event that actually happened. But when you start to scrutinize it on any level, you're like, what? Because, uh, because there were a thousand people from 24 different countries. So we had pictures of people like <laughs> one guy ran under the Eiffel tower. One guy ran uh, in front of big Ben, or lady ran in front of big Ben. There was a guy running across the golden gate bridge. A marathon supposed to be 26.2 that miles. So somehow, amazing. somehow we were, there were some, some gaps in there, but you know, you might have another, uh, whole other business. This might be your third kind of path. <laughs> Is as like a con man, like yeah. get, like creating, you know, a giant nonprofit that doesn't exist, or you know, you, you pretty much have like. Uh, I've got yeah. the skills. Yeah, you've I, got the skills. I had a friend tell me one time this that is he power. Was like, if you were a moral person, you could make so much money. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's crazy. it's my cross to bear. Um, yeah, so I've done crazy. that stuff, and then and then several years ago, I I got into making stuff out of cardboard, and mm. that became like a big part of, of my life. And what it was was I watched this documentary that um it's called beauty is embarrassing and it's about an artist named wayne white and if anyone on the podcast is is listening to this hasn't seen that just turn this off and go watch that because (laughs) i'm assuming a lot of these listeners are big fans of this yeah uh, documentary it used to be on netflix and it's a crime that it's not anymore but you can you can download it i think on like itunes or whatever it's totally worth whatever amount of money you have to pay it's i watched that documentary and then like the next night i made my wife watch it and then after that like i watched it literally every night for like a week or more and i've seen that documentary like dozens of times because i'm a guy who like my wife would be like let's get into this tv show and i'm like who has that many hours to watch 10 seasons of a show but then i'll watch the same movie eight times <laughs> yeah. in a row because yeah, i'm just yeah. like i just go all in so in this movie uh wayne white is um he's an artist and and he did like the uh, puppets and stuff on peewee's playhouse he did set design for beekman's world he's just this phenomenally like creative dude he does these word paintings on like old thrift store uh paintings that he finds he paints these hilarious words into them and and then he does these big cardboard installations and uh in the and movie, even he, just, he did one of these uh he isn't he a big part of like one of these new like pop-up experience kind of things. Is yeah. That, right? Yeah. He's done a bunch of those. Cause a lot and of the people uh, that listen to this, I'm assuming are kind of connected to all that. What's, what's it called? He did one called uh Wayne Orama that was in Chattanooga. Okay. And, right. and then he's done, he's done a bunch of them. He's doing one right now at uh, it's some museum of design or art or something in uh, Virginia beach. And it's called the monitorium. And he, right. he does these like crazy, um, a lot of his stuff will be like history related. So he'll go into a town and he'll study the history of that town and then make this like crazy 
funhouse design with like all these enormous cardboard things and like big stuff you can walk under and giant puppets and stuff. But it Mm. like reflects the history of that town. So that's awesome. But in the movie, he just makes this mask out of cardboard. I think that's one of the only things he, Oh, he does. He makes a big puppet too, but he makes his stuff out of cardboard. And, and, uh, I was watching the movie and I was just like, so inspired. I was like, I need to go make something. And there was just this like box sitting next to the trash. And I was like, I'm going to turn that into a mask. So I made the crappiest mask of all time. And, uh, but I was like, so stoked about it. And I painted it the next day and then I made a bigger mask after that and then I made a bigger mask after that and I just kept making like bigger and bigger stuff and um and it turned into this like my wife was like Kyle like I'm noticing a trend of how big these things are getting like (laughs) one of them I couldn't stand up because my head would hit the ceiling fan and so um so she's like where is this going and then this just like totally serendipitous thing happened where I uh I was supposed to be flying to an event. The event got canceled due to uh, like this crazy snowstorm. And then I had to decide if I could fly back home or fly on to the next event. And so my wife was like, just go on to the next one because like if you fly home, you're going to be here for like four hours and then you're going to have to turn around yeah. and leave. So I flew on and the next – then I ended up having a whole day to kill and it was in Pennsylvania and I realized like Wayne White was – going to be where I was, where I was at. And so, well, he was like 45 minutes away. So I called my assistant and I was like, I need you to book me a hotel room in this other town. And I was like, just don't ask any questions. It's better if you don't, <laughs> if you don't know. So yeah. like I went, I drove down to this gallery. I like found the address on Instagram, drove down to the gallery. And then, uh, and I, it was after closing. It was like after five and n- nobody was there and, or it looked like nobody was there. Like the lights were all off and the, uh, and the door was closed, but the, I tested the door and it was unlocked. <laughs> And so I like walk inside and I'm like turning on lights and stuff in this closed art gallery. And I ended up finding my way up to like the third floor and there were people still there working on this project and he was there. And I was like, no way. It's like meeting your hero from across the room. He's like way over there. And this art gallery lady walks over like looking confused, like, I thought the door was closed. And so (laughs) she walks over and she's like, hey, can I help you? And I was like, uh, I just like word vomit. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm like a huge fan of Wayne. And like, I just, uh, like I have a day to kill. And she's like, well, let's go meet him. So like I walk over there and, and he was like the nicest guy to this day. He has been like one of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. And he was like, Hey, and, uh, you know, what's, what's going on? And I told them and I was like, Hey, and I didn't know how like art installations worked. I didn't know that like a lot of volunteers are needed. I didn't know any of that. So I was just like, dude, if you just need me to like sweep up cardboard tomorrow, I'll be here all day. And he's yeah. like, well, you like making stuff. And I was like, I love making stuff. And he's like, you're hired. Come back tomorrow. I love that. You, so, so you like making stuff. You're yeah. Like that was like, like people it, that, yeah, if there was like a movie of my life, that would be like the zoom in on like, you know, Morgan Freeman's <laughs> face, like, or whatever. And so yeah. I came back the next day. I was the first person there. I was the last person to leave. I was like, I'm just going to be here all day. And he, Wayne is like this dude where this entire exhibit was about him. You know, it's his exhibit, but he was so encouraging to other people. And he would just mm. be like, he, and at one point he came over and he's like, I can tell that this isn't your first time doing this. He's like, you've screwed around with cardboard before. Yeah. And I was, that was like the, like the, you know, the hero, like <laughs> throws me his Jersey as he's going into the locker yeah. room. I'm like, Whoa. And so you've made, you've uh, got so, something. Kid. Yeah. That's basically what he said was like, oh, I think so you've got something. And so I ended up at the end of, towards the end of the day, this was like another magical moment. I, I was like, um, like how late are you going to be here? And he's like, how late can you be here? He's like, I, I wish I had four of you. I'll stay as long. And I was like, Oh my gosh, Man, it was like the nicest thing. And it's funny. Cause looking back, I like, wasn't that good at cardboard at the time, but like he right. was just extra encouraging. 
So um, I asked him to sign something for me at the end of the day, and he wrote, Kyle, you are an expert cardboarder, Wayne. And then he, like, drew a little That's picture. Awesome. And I have that framed in my office now. Like, That's And amazing. so that, like, set me off. I, before that, I'd been doing, like, I would tape the cardboard and, like, paper mache over the tape. And it was just this, like, whole convoluted process. And Wayne was like, no, dude, you should be doing, like, a hot glue. It's, like, way faster and better and all this stuff. So then that, like, just – that it was, like, that was the spark. And I just started doing all this cardboard stuff when I got back. And it was becoming, like, way more, like, detailed and way more complicated and bigger. And so um, that – yeah. This I, is I, your meeting of the master, the exactly. guide. Dude. Yeah. Oh, and so, so it turned into this whole thing. And, and so then I just started making cardboard stuff. And I became known, like, locally and, and as, like, the weird cardboard guy. And, and yeah. then that kind of spread. And, like, now – so I've been doing all these projects over the years with, with cardboard stuff and that like the projects have gotten noticed. And so this was kind of going back to what you said at the beginning of like where we were, where I was when we first met was I was at this crossroads of like, okay, I, I w- got to this point where whenever people would say, oh, I know who you are. I was like, I don't know where this conversation is going to go because either they're going to say, oh, you're the guy who does like that motivational speaking stuff. Or they're going to say, yeah. oh, you're the guy who does the crazy cardboard stuff. But none of those people had ever really heard of the other people. So like it yeah. Yes. It never cross-pollinated. So I was like, how do I like get this stuff together? Because I'd been like I had had my weird cardboard art projects featured on like Wired and Mashable and Fast Company and like and Swiss Miss and all these different like great like blogs that a lot of people were, would would love for their work to be featured on, but I wasn't doing anything with that. Like I that wasn't getting yeah. me anywhere. Uh, it was just like, oh, that's a cool thing that I can tell people. And so I was just scared to death because like to to like integrate that in any way because my creative work has nothing to do with my motivational speaking work, uh, or at least I thought so at the time. And I was like, I don't know how this is going to you know help my business or whatever. So and I think um, so, it, it, sorry, yeah. no, I go ahead. I was going to say I think it's uh, it's worth talking about that if anybody goes to your website now or he- heard you speak today, uh, th- and this is this is like straight up fact. If you look at the way that you've connected them after the fact, it looks like the most obvious thing in the world. But I think people should take seriously the fact that a year ago, it seemed like uh, oil and vinegar. Is that right? Or oil and water? I don't know. I can't remember that. But basically, they do taste good together. (laughs) Uh, I'm just hungry. I need to. And I've been thinking about Jimmy John's a lot. Uh, (laughs) They're not sponsors of the podcast. Yeah, I think Um, that's a good. I think that's a good. A good thought. Like, and so not only would you look at it now and go like, oh yeah, like it makes sense the way that that's all integrated. Um, But I think you should recognize that one that the my my website as it is today is like maybe a month and a half old um and so it took me a year after our initial conversation to even to even like still be wrestling with it and when i talked to you i had already been wrestling with that for like a year year and a half so it's been yeah. like a multi-year process of me going like how do i integrate this stuff how do i combine this stuff and thinking about it and wrestling with it and all this stuff and like trying other stuff that i'm like no that language isn't right or like that doesn't express what i'm trying to say and then finally like now all these years later i'm like oh okay i can integrate this in a way that like makes sense and And that makes both of them more legitimate in different ways and more powerful yeah and 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 i do think it's just like i i do think it's just really important to say that like uh and i was i'd done the exact same thing with speaking and illustration and i think uh it's really important to say that like several years ago and it took you many years uh to, to, to figure out how these pieces fit and they seemed like they really did not fit. Um, yeah. so yeah. 
Yeah, um, totally. I, I think it's easy to to see, uh, you know, there's a lot of different people that have different phrases for this, but I think John Acuff said something about, like, don't compare your your uh, blooper reel to their highlight reel. And so you yes. can see where somebody else ended up and not see all of the work that went into getting them there. And then you're like, oh, of course, I'll never get there because you see all the work that you're doing and it hasn't paid off yet. So, yep. so and, yeah, and, it took and, me a long so- time. And when I and so we started talking a little over a year ago and I was kind of saying like, dude, you've got to figure out how to combine this. And you're like, yeah, I know. I've already been thinking that and trying to figure that out. And it's just not that easy. (laughs) It's not going to work. And I or whatever. And we just kept like we we literally I feel like you and I and then you on your own just kind of kept having uh, those gut churning conversations and thoughts and experiments and ideas of like, how can these things coexist in the same space and and enhance both? And, uh, and I think that you, the past year has been an experiment in that and it's gone super, super well. So maybe you could just speak to, I think it was helpful you and I, because like I I realized on our first, the first time we ever talked, I was like, Oh, we are the same person that are, we're coming at our journeys from the opposite opposite doors like you are a creative guy who was trying to get into more speaking stuff and I was a speaking guy who was trying to get into more creative stuff and I was like we can really help each other here because you're seeing the other side of this elephant and like I vice versa and so I think that's been helpful but we've both been wrestling with how do we get to this central point and we're coming at it from opposite angles and being able to see like uh, it was helpful for one just seeing the opposite angle but even seeing like the frustrations that you have on your side to go oh okay like it's not all roses when you get to you know this other the place creative side yeah that, that's yeah. totally true I rem- you know I think uh, you and I were both kind of we met at a really pivotal point where I had had a, a, a you know a good salary doing illustration built up that career worked with tons of good clients all of that was going I would I think when we first started talking that was probably um, yeah just like a, a really really good time in my illustration career and, uh, and yeah, I was trying to figure out, I wanted to pivot into making it a little bit more about speaking or integrating it somehow. And I do think it was one part of it was that rose tinted spectacles or that's, that's the way, I don't know if that's how you say it in America. That's the way they say Spec- it. In, in yeah. Like, we always talk about <laughs> spectacles. <laughs> I hate when that happens. It totally derails <laughs> me when I say some weird British version of something. Um, but, uh, the grass is always greener, so to speak. And yeah. it was cool to be like, okay, here's why I don't want to completely move into speaking. Uh, yeah. and, and I, and it's actually more beneficial to combine these things. And you kind of had the flip flop thing of this is why I don't want to just do creativity and what I've got is actually really cool and, and yeah. kind of made it so that we were both like best case scenario is how do we like jam these things together and compare notes. And it, yeah, it's just been um, super, super beneficial for me. Yeah. Uh, and I think, and- I think where it came in for both of us was like, okay, I, I climbed that mountain. I did that, yep. you know? And it's like, yep. so what's, what's next? And like, not to, I, I was having a, a conversation with um, kind of a mentor a while back and, and he was asking, he's like, are there any stages in that you like, you know, metaphorically or literally that like, that you haven't spoken on yet that you're like, I got to do that. And I was like, I mean, yeah, there are some like national conferences and stuff that I haven't been on, but I don't, I don't feel like I couldn't hang on those stages. Yeah. It's really just more of like a timing thing of, Oh, I haven't gotten booked for that event yet. Um, but they've expressed interest or I've done bigger events than that. I just haven't yeah. done that particular event. And I mean, I think this summer was really big for me because there were two events that I spoke at within a month where there were, it was like arenas full of like 8,000 plus people at each event. 
And yeah. they both went phenomenally well. And I got like, I was just, I left that place like drenched in sweat and just like so excited about what I was doing. And I was like, yeah, I, I, I could keep doing this indefinitely. Like what's the next mountain or how do I take yeah. this to another level? And I think you're the same thing with illustration. It's like, okay, I built an illustration career. Like, and that's and cool, I, but and like, I, always I think am excited you always need to, a challenge. Yeah, and I'm always excited to do another client that I haven't worked with, or or you know I've you know I've been moving into right. like kids' not, books, which is exciting. But it's not this. It's not. It's 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 yeah. It's not the it's not the same as like the breaking in energy or like a, a, an extreme level up because you know yeah, w- yeah working yeah. Blah, 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 yeah, blah. Think, Working I with this client huge. is comparable and, and whatever. The thing that my mentor said was like, um, was you get to a point where the the skill set exceeds the challenge mm. and and you need there to be some disparity there. You, you need, need there balance. to you need there to be like, I gotta stretch a little bit. Like if yes. the if the challenge way exceeds the skill set, then it just feels hopeless. And so yeah. there's there's gotta be a balance over you're like, it I'm going to have to grow a little bit as a person to do this. And it's the yeah. same for me. Like I I don't at all feel bored with speaking. I don't at all feel like, oh, I've done that. Like in, yeah, in me, that me. kind of a sense, I still love like every time I get to go on a stage, every time, I mean, just yesterday I spoke to 3000 kids in Georgia. Um, and I, I think that every time I get to do that, I'm like, yeah, this is amazing. But it's it's just a fun, like I, I feel like I also don't have any doubt that I can continue to do it. And so, yep. um, so but you know, keep now it it's like, okay, what keep can you... I get good at now? Yes, Yeah. exactly. where I was at um and 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 had the creative stuff had the speaking stuff and just didn't know how to combine those things and it was a lot of wrestling with that to to kind of figure out what are the common threads between those things and 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 how do I express that in a way that that makes both of them better and that makes sense to a person who might hire me because yeah. I didn't want to and I've seen other people do this speakers and creatives and stuff like that who will put a side project on their website and it's very just like self gratifying where it's like this is the thing I did it doesn't matter to anyone at all who like might hire me. It's not beneficial right. to them. I mean, you talked about that on your side project episode recently. And it's like, I didn't want to just be like, Hey, also I do all this cardboard stuff. And they're like, okay, yeah. cool. Cause I could also be like, also I go backpacking, you know, it's like, well, that doesn't no, like, I don't need, my website <laughs> yeah. doesn't need to be everything I've ever done in my life. Like I can make yeah. sandwiches. It's like, okay, <laughs> cool. Yeah. And so I was like, I, the, the thing for me about, about creative stuff was I was like, I feel like there's a way that this, sets me apart and benefits the client. And so it just took me a long time of wrestling with how, how does that work or what yep. is that verbiage? Um, and, and so what I kind of finally landed on was this idea that of building a better world of that, like the, the thing that I have heard, um, again and again, and this goes back to what you were saying of like, sometimes the things that are your superpower are super obvious to other people. And I'd heard this from so many people and I just kept writing it off where people would say, Kyle, I love that you're a guy who actually does the things that pop into his head. Like yes. there's like the, probably the best compliment I've ever gotten was uh, from my friend Isaac. And uh, <laughs> this is another stupid idea that I, I think it's still on YouTube. They pulled it down for a while, but they put it back up. Uh, <laughs> so was there was a sign near my old house that was just this giant sign that said no turnarounds. It was like in someone's driveway. And then it said yeah. violators will be prosecuted. And it was like the most unneighborly sign of like, don't yeah. turn around in my driveway. But it also wasn't a house. 
it was a like a car lot business. So I was like, right. who cares if people turn around in your driveway? So I was like, I'm going to make a video where I just turn around in their driveway a bunch of times, but not in a car. That would be like a jerk move. I'm just going to physically stand there and turn around. And I'm going <laughs> to do that while lip syncing to Total Eclipse of the Heart. Because in that song, it just goes, turn around every night. And so I did, like, I stood there. (laughs) The song's like four minutes long, and I did it like three times to just make sure that I had it (laughs) enough footage. So I was spinning in place next to a highway for 12 minutes, (laughs) shooting all this footage. But I told a friend of mine about it like the day before, and I was like, yeah, I'm thinking about doing this thing. And then like the next day or the day after that, I came back in. He runs this coffee shop. And I came back into his coffee shop and I'm like setting my laptop down and like I had like a GoPro and another camera and all this like cords and stuff. And he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, and I forgot I had told him about the thing. And I was like, oh, dude, there's this thing and there's a sign. It says no turnarounds. And, and he was like, oh, yeah, you told me about that. He's like, did you do it? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, he's like, Kyle, that's the thing I like about you. He's like, a lot of people go from, oh, I have this crazy idea. I'm going to do it. To like the next time you hear about it, they're like, oh, I have this crazy idea. But like they took out the part about I'm going to do it. And he's like, you go from like, I have this crazy idea. I'm going to do it to like the next day. You're like, I did it. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, and I was I, like, man, that's a huge compliment. Like, I, I love that because I tried to strive for that. And actually, I think uh, uh, I'm always looking for like, what are the what are the clues to how you get to where you're supposed to be going or find your special gift or whatever it is? And I think uh, one of the ones that I hear you keep kind of talking about is this idea that maybe look less for like a super talent and maybe look for a super high tolerance of yeah. like, you know, one I always think like people are always looking for like picking up a cu- guitar and like an instant amazing quality. And it's like, of yeah. course this is your gift, but maybe like a better it never has s- ever happened ever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. And, and maybe a better ro- uh, road sign to your destiny is, uh, or whatever word you'd like to use there that doesn't sound as epic or whatever, but um, is, a tolerance for a thing. Like maybe it's a way bigger deal that you pick up a guitar and you just never want to put it down. Uh, and it seems yeah. like, you know, with these creative projects for you, your tolerance for exploring these like ridiculous novel ideas is insanely off the charts. I've never met anybody that is willing to spend so much My tolerance time on for a ridiculous. Hot glue burns and stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it's true though. I mean, like, like, so, um, we'll talk about this project a little bit later, but I, uh, like last year I did a project where I turned 30 years old and instead of having a birthday party, like a normal person, I had a Viking funeral for my 20s. And so yeah. I built a, a 16 feet long, 8 feet tall Viking ship out of cardboard. And there were a lot of things. like I, That was the biggest thing I'd ever built at that point. And I had no idea how to build at that scale. And I remember – and I was on a very short time schedule. Like I had like two weeks from the time that I like started working on it to the time that I had already told people we were going to have this like public burning of my 20s Viking ship. Yeah. And, uh, and there was one day where I wasted an entire day – like on this this way to try to curve the cardboard for the front of the boat and I realized oh that's not the right way to do it and I tore the whole thing down and started over again and and my wife was just like oh my gosh you wasted all that time and I was like yeah but I learned how to do it you know so so I think that like you have to just have that mentality of like oh this is this is how everything goes this is how everyone learns anything is a lot of screwing up and falling flat on your face just get up and keep going and and so yeah I, I I appreciate that I think the other thing uh, that is um, really that I that I hear happening in this story that is uh, that's that I see all the time in my own life and then in the lives of uh, people I work with is that the first part of the journey 
starts by just doing stuff and trying to make it work. And I feel like a lot of the people that I know that end up really finding their gift and kind of transcending to a different place in their work start the first half of their journey not really finding their supernatural gift but just like going with whatever they can do and for me that was like illustration because I could draw and you know but it was more like a natural talent or a natural skill that I developed and learned over time but while I was out there on the journey discovered something that came even more natural to me um that that felt you know more transcendent than that and I feel like uh that's a really good way to encourage people to say like, you can't just sit around and wait for this amazing gift to drop in your lap. Like the first part well, of most people's like journey. That. Yeah. Yes. It's not going to feel like a gift when it, when it happens. And Donald Miller talked about this, like in, in regards to spirituality and some of his early books. And he's yeah. like, there's this unhelpful thing that happens where somebody goes through an experience and they have this life changing transformation, but it's like a really messy thing. Cause life is really messy. And he's like, but then they're trying to like help other people. And so then they're like, how can I distill this into three steps? And it's like those three steps, or not what happened to you and he talks about he's like what happened to you is like you had a conversation with the girl in the rain and then you saw this movie and it like this one quote and you know and you read a book and then you like ate a bad sandwich or like all these different things that happened to you and that birthed this experience out from you but then when you're trying to like recreate that experience for someone else you're trying to be helpful but you're like oh yeah like these are the three things i looked inside of myself and i did this and it's like no (laughs) none of those things are what happened like but you can't tell the person like go in the rain and talk to a girl you know it's like that that's not helpful for them and so I think that that happens so many times it's like when you're telling your story I can connect all these dots for you going back and go yeah I met Wayne and this happened this when I first started cardboarding I had no idea that I was ever going to be able to meet him and now I've met him multiple times I've been to his house and seen his studio and stuff and like but that was so far like in the future for me that I had no idea and I was just like I'm just like exploring this thing and I never wanted to make cardboarding a thing that I ever like did for any it was just a fun thing like it started with i saw a box next to the trash while i was watching a movie and i wanted to make something and yes. so and then later now you know five years down the road or however many years like i look back and i can go oh yeah that led to all of this but i think that you have to be willing to do all of those little experiments along the way and just chase ideas that might not turn into anything um just because you're like oh yeah this is a, a fun thing i want to do and don't expect everything to be this like oh this life-changing experience yes um, but if you're out there working it on, on it and, and staying aware and, you know, doing the hard work of trying to connect the dots, like, uh, that if I kind of believe that if you're out there doing all those things, you will end up finding those kind of more yeah. transcendent things. Yeah. Um, the, because you're, you're looking for them and you're aware of them. And that's one of the things that like, I'm probably going to do a blog post or a video about this at some point is that like, when I look back on my life, I think on all of the things that like, it's crazy to me how different my life would be. So like the Wayne White thing is one, like that's become, cardboarding has become something that people know me for. Like I have a box cutter knife tattooed on my arm uh, (laughs) because of that. And I'm going to have a hot glue gun tattooed on my other arm. Like that's, it's become so, it is ridiculous, but it's It's become such a part of my identity and like the thing that people know me for. And it's like, and it's impacted. Like I get comments on videos about cardboard projects where people are like, I cried watching this and it's become this huge thing. And that's all because I happened to see a movie on Netflix when I was browsing and I was like oh that looks interesting and I watched it and then I watched it again and then I happened to be in the right town at the right time and I happened to find the gallery like all of these different things that connected and even speaking like 
I get students asking me all the time, like, how did you get into speaking? I never knew this was a job you could have. And so like, yeah. I was out, I was done with, with like college. I dropped out of college and like, and, and was working this other job. And then I happened to see like some ad online for like a speaker training thing. And I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, that's interesting. I clicked on, it. I didn't even buy like the thing that they were selling, but it sparked this idea. And I happened to mention it a couple of days later to someone else. And that person was like, Oh, you should talk to this other guy. He's a speaker. And it was like all of these things that if I hadn't done this one thing at this one one time I my life would be so different now and so I always just tell people I never saw any of those things coming and so if you and and when I was especially like pre-speaking I was in such a like despairing place because I felt like man like I my like every like I had just come back from this like failed job thing I moved out to California it didn't work out I came back I have a kid I have like no money like my wife and I were just like broke and I was so like oh my life is going to be terrible forever and then these a couple things happen and it's like oh this amazing stuff happened but when I was in that dark place I couldn't have ever seen this was going to happen so whenever I see other people who are like dude I'm struggling I'm trying and I'm trying nothing is happening I'm like just keep going because like you're never going to see it coming, but yeah. like you just striving and hustling and looking for those things, like you're, you're more likely to see them and those things will come into your life. And when the path presents itself, it's not going to be an angel parting the heavens. It's going to be like a little nudge on your shoulder. A yeah. little, it's for me, it was just a little call to adventure. I discovered Modest Mouse and their band posters. And I was like, Hmm, that kind of feels like something. And I just, but I pulled that thread and just worked it out super hard and, and, and put all the strategy and stuff. And it didn't, you know, it didn't all just work out magically. Um, yeah, so, it takes so long, and you wouldn't be ready for the version of that that, that it ended up becoming at the end, anyways. Like no. it would be so intimidating to you. I mean, we were talking about this earlier, just about like that. If if I had seen where my career is at now seven years ago, I would have been like, "There's no way I'll ever get there." And like, you would, it just and, felt and for so me, big. there's a part of it that you'd be so overwhelmed with the notion of getting there and so underprepared that you'd be like, "I can't even go on this road because it's yeah." Just the too- only the only reason I could stand on those stages with eight thousand plus people this summer was because I had stood on a lot of smaller crappier stages over yeah. the years and like learned a lot about speaking from falling on my face and doing the wrong thing and like all of that kind of stuff and so yeah you're right I wouldn't have been prepared for that I think most of us um, I think creatives are really good at living in our heads and like yeah. painting these big visions like this is gonna be amazing but the truth is like if you got that opportunity right now you might not be ready for it and you might totally, totally I mean you have that whole story about Nickelodeon that's like a really great illustration of that of just like it takes like you you want this thing and you're like I'm ready for it and then you get there and you're like yeah. I'm not ready for this you gotta play and so I think level. that like yeah you have to play yeah you've got to play all the levels to, to be able to beat the game and so just staying faithful to that process and staying curious and chasing those ideas I think is like it's a long term play but it's it's the only way I know that, that, works out. that makes it work yeah one of the things I wanted you to do on here was give a few speaking tips because as a friend, you've kind of been coaching me on my talks and it's made a massive difference, especially the one that I just did at Creative Works. Uh, you gave me some really phenomenal feedback that helped me get take a talk that was pretty good to something totally different than I've done before. And uh, you know, you have all this experience and I think creative people that can talk about what they do either just in every day or on stage actually can transcend the the people around them uh, if they can do that well and so you know this better than anybody else I know 
Yeah, um, I would agree with that. Not, <laughs> not that I know this better. I, w- I was going to agree with the creative people. I think that, I love that. that just sounded so awesome. The way yeah, that I would you... agree that I know this better than anyone. <laughs> I'd actually no, take um... it one step further and say I know it better than anyone <laughs> there is. That's who hilarious. has ever lived. Uh, That's hilarious. No, it's funny. I had a, uh, a friend come over recently and... Um, I was showing her my studio. I have this, like, it's a shed in my backyard that I've, yeah. like, renovated into a studio. And she walked in and she was like, whoa, this is very organized. She's like, I would not expect that out of you. And because I'm I'm a very, like, I'm like you. I'm a manic, creative yeah. person. And I'm just, like, throwing things aside all the time. Yeah. And I was, and I, I said, oh, like, I have to have it this way because, like, if I don't, it, I don't get anything done. And so like combining like the unexpected thing of like, oh, I'm going to force myself to be really like good at keeping systems and organizing. And like before I leave for the day, like everything's cleaned up for the next day. Like that is like this unexpected thing that gives me this superpower. And I think the same thing is true for creatives. Like if you, like illustrators, especially, um, we were yeah. talking about this yesterday. I feel like th- some of this is a stereotype and I'm sure there's illustrators who are completely the opposite. But I think a lot of illustrators that I know are naturally more introverts and they're like I got into illustrating because I don't want to talk to other people I just want to draw pictures all day and so like but if you can combine that with learning how to talk to other people it's going to be so unexpected uh like that that you'll I think it'll take your career places that that it might not go otherwise so yeah there's um, a uh, unexpected superpower there's a quote from a painter and I can't remember who is who said it but it's something like uh if I could explain to you what I meant I wouldn't have had to paint it And so I think like a lot of illustrators, you know, in terms of illustrators, designers, create visual creatives, especially uh, find them, you know, that sometimes I get them on the podcast and the first couple minutes is hard to warm up because I'm they're They're used to expressing themselves in a totally different way. But I've found that if you can do both, even my dad is a really good example of of somebody who uh, he's an accountant. And one of the core differentiators for his career that really skyrocketed things was he was an accountant and a numbers guy that could also inspire and be interesting in his talking. And so, yeah. which is, you know, not super common in, in, in that world either. Um, yeah. And so, yeah. So and learning to talk about it, it in a way that is uh, even in the way that you're speaking is unexpected, like in that people expect that if an artist can talk, then they're going to be full of themselves and pretentious. Right. And like the, the stuff that they say is going to be inaccessible to anyone else and it's going to be just, you know, whatever. And so I think if you can learn to talk about your work in a way that's like accessible to people and that's helpful to them, then, then yeah, like that, that that's going to, that's going to set you apart in a big way. Yep. Totally true. So speaking tips, I would say, um, one of the things that, you know, earlier I mentioned, Oh, if you have stage fright, maybe don't be a speaker. And, uh, and, and, uh, but I do, I think that like, I don't have ways to overcome stage fright, uh, from experience. However, the way that I try to help people with, with speaking in general is to, I I say, okay, I can't tell you how I overcame it because I didn't, but I can tell you how I see speaking. And I think it's different in my experience. It seems different from how other people seem to see it. And so maybe that will help in a way. And so I've done a lot of public speaking workshops because clients uh, always want, you know, teenagers to be able to speak in public. And so they, you know, and teenagers are like, I want to know how to do this. So I'll do workshops with them. And one of the things that, that I, I say, I can 
cure your stage fright in five words. And those five words are, uh, and I have them like chant them after me and it's <laughs> nobody cares about my speech. And I just have them like do it over. And like, it's so funny. I'm always like a little bit nervous that whoever hired me is going to walk into that one yeah. part with no context and just have all these teenagers going, nobody cares about my speech. And, and, and I, I get them to do that because it's a funny exercise, but, but it's also memorable. And I, I, I go, just remember that nobody cares about your speech. And that's actually a good thing. And yes. I say, I'm not saying that like that nobody cares about your speech because you're just a high school kid and I'm a professional speaker. So people care about my speech. And I go, no, nobody cared about my speech either. And a lot of times I'll do this workshop after I've done a keynote and I'll say, how many of you guys woke up this morning and you're like, man, I'm just so worried about Kyle. Like, I just hope he's going to do good today. I'm like, yeah. no, none of you cared at all. And how many of you guys, when you walked into the session, even thought about that? Nobody, none of you are ever like, like everyone is always so in their own head thinking about their own issues that we're not concerned with how the person's speech is going to go. No. And, and I, you know, it's, with high school students, I'll say, how many of you guys have ever been in a class where you had to give a speech and everyone raises their hand? And I say, how many of you guys can tell me one thing about anyone else's speech in that class that wasn't yours? Yeah. And every hand <laughs> goes down. I'm like, you were so concerned with what everyone else is going to think about your speech that you didn't even listen to anyone else's speech. Yep. And so... And I'm like, I hate to tell you this, but that's what everyone else was doing too. Yeah. And so if you can just, I think that most of stage fright comes from this pressure that we put on ourselves of like, this is such a big deal. And I think you should honor the audience. Like I said earlier, like, oh, there's a thousand hours worth of time in this auditorium. Yeah. Like that, honor that, but don't let that crush you. Let that just motivate you to like, take it seriously. But I, th I think that that the, the nobody cares about my speech thing is just that recognize that as much pressure as you're putting on yourself, that's all from you. Nobody yeah. else is putting that pressure on you. And, and the worst thing that will happen is that it is you'll suck. But that's like that. The other thing that I say is you, the no other industry exists where you can do a terrible job and you will just be meeting everyone's expectations. Yes. Because totally true. I am a, I am a, full-time professional public speaker, which means I study public speaking more than most people ever will. I watch more talks. I like, I read more books about public speaking. I, I have seen more good speeches than the average person ever will. And yet when I see any person get up onto a stage in any context, I, my first assumption is this is going to be terrible yep. because just most people are not good at speaking. And so I'm like, I always tell that to students. I'm like, most of the time that that's a feedback I get all the time. I mentioned this earlier that I have students go, man, I expected this to suck and it didn't suck. Yes. And so I'm like, what other arena do you have in your life where people expect you to be terrible? So if you're terrible, you just met their expectations. You can't actually disappoint anyone with public speaking because they expect you to be yeah. terrible. So once you realize that, you go, oh, if I'm the bar even moderately is so low. good. Yeah. Yeah. You can trip over the bar. Like, yes. And then still like exceed. If you're even moderately good, people will be like, that wasn't as bad Pleasantly as I thought it was surprised. Be. Yeah. And, yeah. Yes, totally. and especially, just especially at, you know, yeah, as a creative, I think, because I've been to a lot of creative conferences where creatives can be really good at doing their thing, but they're oftentimes not very good at explaining it or talking about it in any way. Yep. And you can see somebody who's like an amazing designer or illustrator or artist, and you watch them on stage and you're like, has this person ever talked to another person before? <laughs> and so I think when you go to a creative conference, sometimes you can be like, this could be terrible. And so if you can even be moderately good, people yes. are going to go, wow, that was pretty good. Yes. So I think take the pressure off yourself. Nobody cares about your speech. And, and 
and realize that, use that to your benefit to go, you know what? This is a fun thing. The best case scenario is that people will remember it and go, yeah, that was pretty good. You know, the best speeches I remember seeing over the last several years, I can tell you a little bit about them without looking at my notes. And so, you know, I always say that with, to take the pressure off of myself, uh, you know, and talking to students and stuff, I go, Hey, you know what? Like even when students come up and go, that was the best speech I've ever heard. Like it was amazing. I know that if I ask that person in a week to tell me what the speech was about, they'll remember a few things. And most yeah. of them will be like funny stories that I told. And like that. Yeah. So, so it's, it's, you have this idea that, you know, we're going to change everyone's life or whatever. Um, but, but the truth is like, you're there for an hour and how many hours of our lives do we remember every detail of? And yeah. it's zero. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I even, I even talk to students about like, I'll, I'll say, how many of you guys can name a famous speech? And all, every hand goes up. And I go, put your hand down if it's the Gettysburg Address or I Have a Dream. And right. every hand goes back down. And I go, every day around the world, there are thousands of speeches that are given. And that's been going on for uh, as long as humans have been around. People have been giving speeches. And we can only think of two of them. And, and, and like nobody remembers those speeches outside of the, like, the little takeaway soundbite nugget. Because yeah. I'll say, tell me something from the I Have a Dream speech that wasn't I Have a Dream. And tell me something from the Gettysburg Address that wasn't four score and seven years ago and the Gettysburg address is like a two and a half minute speech and nobody remembers any of it except for the opening line and so I when you realize that you just go oh okay there's actually not that much pressure on me and if this goes bad it will be an hour of my life that went terrible and it will not probably impact my life or my career in any way substantially so yeah um so I, I think taking that pressure off yourself in terms of practical advice I just say um get like Whatever you think the scope of your speech is, narrow that down to about 10% of that. And that's what you can probably actually get across. Because I think that I've seen way too many people ruin a speech by trying to tell you everything that they possibly know. Um, instead of just going, I like people are going to walk out of here with and remembering one thing. So I need to narrow down to like one really good point. Yep. And you can have, you can have like reinforce that point in a lot of different ways. But I've seen too many people try to give a speech where they're like, they're telling you this emotional story about their dad dying. And then they're also telling you this emotional story about this experience they had when they fell in love. And then you, you know, and then they talk about like their five tips for getting through the grocery store quickly. And you know, it's like, <laughs> what, what is this speech about? about like and you can't you can't pull people in all of the different those different directions and still have them feel like they like got out of that and they understand what the point of that talk was and so i think um you can have multiple points but they should all basically be about the same thing building and the the longer i go as a speaker say what building the same argument or whatever yeah Yeah. and the longer i go as a speaker the simpler my speeches get and and it's funny because the feedback continues to be like oh that was better and better and better so i think like the the speech that i've been giving the last year a lot at at schools is called it only takes one and it's all about the power of one person to make a difference and so the the entire theme of that talk is it only takes one person to make a difference and and that can be a good difference or bad difference so in in that talk i'll say i have a whole story about it only takes one person to make you feel like you matter i have another story about it only takes one person to make you feel like you don't matter Uh, it only takes one person to stand up for another person it only takes one person to lift you up it only takes one person to tear you down everything is designed around it only takes one person to blank and so when you walk out of that talk that's what you're remembering is okay i am one person and it only takes one person and so i think in the past i tried to cram every bit of life advice i knew into one talk to make it like so packed with value and it's like well you did that and nobody's gonna remember any of that because it was just like this shotgun approach yes so simplify your talk and down into being being about one thing and then ask yourself i think my last piece of advice would just be like um 
ask yourself, so what? Like, so what? Like, this is this deep truth that I have. Okay, so what? Like, how does that impact the person hearing the speech? And what is the value to them? How does this benefit the person that hired you? And how does this benefit the person in the audience? And and so, uh, and and those are two different things too. Speaking is an interesting uh, thing. I mean, illustrating is like this too. You've got the person who hired you, the art director, and that person is is like, you have to please them. But also, ultimately, you need to be pleasing to the person who sees the ad or reads the thing or watches the the video. Or whatever, yeah. Yeah, and so like... Speaking is like that too, where it's like I have an audience. Uh, my the people who hire me tend to be like middle aged men or women, yeah. and a lot of them are women. And so it's like what appeals to a middle aged woman who is like booking high school speakers is not exactly the same thing that is going to appeal to a ninth grader. Yes. You know, and so I have to be able to give a speech that like the what the what the person who hired me, the middle aged man or woman, they want the speech to have a takeaway that is practical and motivational for that teenager to improve their life in some way. A teenager couldn't give less of a crap if that's in the talk. Yeah. They want it to be funny and entertaining and they want to walk out of there going, I like that guy. Yeah. And so like I have to accomplish both of those things. So I'm always asking like, does what what is a win? It's like so what? What does this person walk away with? And is and I need to make sure that I nail it for both the client and the audience. Um, and if you can see things through those lenses don't see it as like i have this thing i need to say um i think a lot of speakers go south with that and instead go how does this how do i get that across to my audience in a way that benefits them mm. yeah that's like awesome. one of the worst speeches i remember from when i was in high school was this guy who it was a tragic story his his son had been killed hilltopping um like where you just drive your car really fast over hills and try to get air yeah and um which is like a thing that people do in the country because there's nothing else to do and so <laughs> His son had been killed hilltopping, came over the top of a hill, got hit, like drifted into the other lane and hit an oncoming car. Mm. And that is a terrible, sad, tragic story. But this guy spent 45 minutes or an hour talking about this, this story. And basically the point of the whole talk was don't go hilltopping. And I was like, <laughs> all right, that could have been summed up in one, in one sentence. Why did we bring the whole school here? What he could have done with that is broaden that into a lot of other stuff about yeah, destructive decisions right. or yeah. thinking about how you impact other people or like all this stuff but he was so myopic with the whole point of the talk was don't go hilltopping and so i think that oftentimes like yeah you're listening to that whole story thinking like there's gonna be this is this hilltopping thing is an analogy i mean it's really sad it's gonna gonna connect to a deeper thing and it never did like yeah And, and so i think that like yeah, so don't go hilltop. <laughs> and it's like, oh, again, a thing I'm not already doing. And right. so um, I think thinking through for your audience, how can I take this powerful lesson that I learned um, and extrapolate that into a principle that will be powerful for a lot of people? Because the, the sad truth is that things that are really powerful for you are often not that powerful for other people because they don't have True. all of the context that went into why that was such an experience for you. So you telling people how you met your wife or how, you know, how meaningful it was, like that there's this kind of cliche about like people always want to tell you how their life changed when they went on a mission trip or when they had a kid or whatever. And like everyone laughs at that until you have one of those experiences because you can't communicate that through words. So you have to find a way to take that story that was so powerful for you and make it powerful for other people in a way that's going to resonate with their experiences at the point where they're at now. Yeah. And actually uh, this is one of the things that uh, going back to what we said at the beginning, we were talking about how one of the road signs towards what you're supposed to be doing is uh, what you can't stand. And when I grew up in the church, and one of the things that drove me insane, and it applies to speakers and all kinds of different 
things is is anybody that would go up there you know a pastor would speak about this passage from this giant this old giant book that most of the people in the audience are not actually that interested in and there'd be this part that really changed this person's life and all they would do is just repeat it eight times and be like guys can't you can you believe this and and yeah. their whole job is to make it meaningful to everybody, not just to say yeah. this is meaningful. And I think everybody um, could have a takeaway from that of like, yeah, okay. And that's this is one of the challenges I try to talk about. You know, I'm I'm very expressive. Uh, I want to download my feelings into other people, and uh, that's <laughs> yeah. one of the reasons I love to talk. And 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 a great example of is that I never shut up about Moana. And I get, but I, but I understand that to 99% of people that watch that movie, it's just not that powerful to them. And so I try to figure out ways of like using analogy or, or all these different things to figure out how to get them to that. So what place like, you know, and to, and to give them something to where I don't just tell you over and over, this is the best movie. Uh, cause it just makes me look like a psycho anyway. But, um, but, but well, and yeah. I think that goes back to the the having one point because I think yeah. people the the truth is you're not going to be able to figure out which of your stories resonates with each person totally and so true. it's yes. better right. instead of saying let me tell you all of the emotional stories I've ever had <laughs> instead you should yeah. pick one point and then attack it from 15 different angles because one of those angles is going to impact that person yes and so that's why like like I have. Uh, stories in my talk that are very emotional, like stories about how when I was a kid, I considered suicide because I felt like I didn't fit in with any of these other kids. And like that to some people is going to be too triggering or, or just too sappy. Like there could be two different angles. And then I have other, I, I, you know, I have another story in my talk about how basically my brother threatened to beat this kid up if he didn't leave me alone. And it's a very funny story because my brother is six foot four and a half. And this other kid was, you know, much shorter and was bullying me. And there's like, it's a very like physical comedy kind of a of a thing but it also is like hey you make an impact in other people's lives through the way that you interact with them and and so it's like both of those stories are talking about making a difference um making people's lives better or worse and and but they're different stories and one of them's going to resonate with one group of kids one of them's going to resonate with another and so that's why i'm like just i'm going to attack the same point a bunch of different ways because I don't know which of these stories and there's no way for me to tell uh, which of these stories which, is going to impact anyone. Which this makes me want to craft a whole talk about why Moana is such an amazing movie <laughs> and give like 10 different stories and analogies that, that prove it for all those people that just cannot no, get it. Yeah. Get and it. I was like, so one of these analogies is going to help it click and, and like spread it. the message would, of Moana. I would listen to that talk. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Uh, all right. So I want to make sure we get to, uh, hold on. Final practical. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Did, go ahead. I man. did just think of this last one. I know I said the other one was my final tip, but I, but, but when you, this triggered, when you, said uh um you know that some people just don't get it or whatever yeah and that would be my uh, my final tip is that there is you will never speak to an audience that you please 100 percent of them unless right. it's one person and that yes, person totally is your mom true. and so um <laughs> it's funny because i've been in audiences where i was like that one pretty good but man there's this one kid just like glaring in the front the whole time and and like one of the best pieces of advice i ever heard was from another speaker who basically said that he's like you can focus all day on the one kid in the back who's not uh, not with it. He's yeah. like, but the thing you don't know is that like that kid's parents told him they're 
divorcing this morning. Yes. Or that kid just bombed a test right before he, or that kid is physically sick right now and is just barely holding it together. It's like, there are yep. so many things you don't know about what, what, like, don't assume, don't be so egotistical that it's to assume that that person is bummed out because of you. Yes. Like that, you've been in here for 15 minutes. And even if they are, focus on the other, like, kids that are just really loving it and resonating yep. with it because you can't control what other people are going to experience or say. And you might actually be wrong about reading that person because some people just don't understand that they come across looking like they're grumpy all the time. And I had this uh, thing that happened probably last summer where I gave this speech and the whole, it was to a bunch of teachers and they were eating while I was giving the speech at round tables. Like mm. it was like I was talking during dinner. It was just a terrible setup. So yeah. round tables means half of the audience is facing away from you. And there was this one guy that the whole time was like crossed arms, just like glaring at me. He just didn't seem to like be uh, engaging with anything that I was saying. And then afterwards there was this, like this social thing that they went out to and, and, they invited me to go and I went and this guy like pinned me to the wall the whole time and was like telling me how great my speech was and how much he loved it. And I just the whole time I was thinking like, you should have told your face, man. Like you should have told your face that you were having a good time because I had no idea. And then that guy later hired me to come speak at his thing. And then he's, he's put me on an automatic three year rotation where they're going to keep hiring me again and again. And so I was like that I would have that whole time I was wrong. I thought he wasn't enjoying it and he was loving it. He just has one of those faces. that doesn't look like he's pleased sometimes. So, so don't, you know, don't assume and don't beat yourself up over uh, you know even if that person is having a bad time that's yep. on them yep that's really good i i definitely uh can relate there's always every time you're uh up in front of people it's so easy to get you know focus in on the guy or the, or the girl that uh is on their phone and you know doesn't give a crap or whatever yeah. and, and you well, let you that, don't know that person might be taking notes on their phone totally that person might be texting their terminally ill mother yes. like there are all sorts of things that could be happening and i think that one of the problems of being a creative person is that you live in your head and you have this vivid imagination and you can use that against yourself and you can imagine all of the ways in you like in which this is this is a bad signal you know yep. and so but we're not always very good at letting ourselves imagine like that person is probably taking notes or sending a text to their friend about how emotional this thing is making them or whatever i mean i had a student yesterday uh at this event that i was at who came up afterwards she was like the whole time i was texting my friend because she couldn't come and she was sick and i was telling her all the stuff you were talking about and she was saying i wish i could be here and i was like that's funny i didn't see you because it was a big audience but i was just thinking like if i would have seen that i would have been like why is this person on their phone the whole time you know and it's really because they loved it and so yeah like don't don't just assume what other people are going through because you have no idea yeah that's really good uh so okay let's talk about your latest endeavor uh you talked a little bit about how you did a viking funeral for your 30s where you created 20s your 20s sorry sorry your 20s yeah uh um and you you created a, a giant viking ship out of cardboard and then uh set it on fire as yeah. a memorial. I, I, I should explain to uh, when I don't, because this is an audio medium, there's really no way to say this, but uh, or to demonstrate this, you guys should go look at like the, the thing I'm talking about because yeah, whenever I tell people I make notes, stuff out of cardboard, they go, Oh, okay. Like, yeah. And it's not what, it's not what you expect. It it's, looks like I, a proper it, Viking ship with the dragon head and it's massive. Yeah, I spent two and weeks crazy. making this. And yeah. so like, I don't want to tell you like, Oh, it's really a lot better than you think, but it it's is, probably is uh, better than you think. Yes. It, it's, I spent a lot of time being very detailed. It's not like, Oh, I glued eight Amazon boxes together and set it on fire. <laughs> I spent a lot of time being very yeah. detailed about it. It's a sculpture. It. So, it's a, yeah. yeah, it is. It's, it's a 
cardboard sculpture and all the cardboard stuff that I do is, is very detailed and, and I try to make it really cool and interactive and there's like different stuff you can do. So, um, so that, that saying that whenever I tell people, oh, I made a Viking ship for my 30 or for my 20s, they're like, oh, okay, cool. And then I show them and to a, a person, they're always like, oh, that's way different than I expected. It and to I'll be. put a link so, to the original video in the show notes. Um, yeah. but yeah, so, you can just kind of tell us a little bit about that and how that led to what you're doing now. Yeah. So I did this Viking ship and it, it started as a joke, honestly. Like it started as my mom asked if I was going to have a birthday party for my thirtieth, and I said, "No, mom, I'm going to have a funeral for my 20s. And it was just kind of this stupid joke. <laughs> and then, and then she was like, "What is that? Like your weird birthday? Like you're going to like have a coffin and people put their gifts in it? It's like the creepiest birthday party ever." <laughs> and I was like, "No, mom, I'm not a regular funeral, a Viking funeral." And so uh, it started as this joke, and then I was like, "I'm actually going to do this." And mm. it was one of those ideas that I told my wife, and she's like, "I can already tell you're going to do this." Yeah. So. Um, I'll just like be along for the ride. So I spent like two weeks building this ship. Well, in that time, like, because I'm like you that I always want to draw like an analogy out of something. And like, I always have to make something into a bigger thing. So I'm like spending two weeks basically around the clock working on this Viking ship. And, um, and my friends, these like amazingly talented videographers at this company called lock and stash, they, uh, partnered together and like did like a mini documentary on this process. So they're interviewing me about it. And then, and it turned into me talking about like, yeah, this has actually been a really interesting chance to like look back at my 20s and think like what do I want to not bring into my 30s and like Mm. what what was good about my 20s what was bad about my 20s and well as I go as I you know am saying hey I'm putting laces of funeral for my 20s well what do I want to leave there and and that was you know and I talked in the video about how like one decade at the beginning of or the end of one decade is just the beginning of the next and and I'm really hopeful that my 30s are going to be like way better than my 20s in terms of um you know creative output and like the ideas that I come up with and all this stuff so they put this video up online that's the the first time I was featured on Swiss Miss and and it spread on all, all these different places and and I started getting all these comments from people that were like that video inspired me in such a huge way and like I you know I'm taking this action or I'm doing this or like I'm gonna I'm gonna start pursuing art again or like all these different crazy things that I'd never like intended I just it started as this stupid joke birthday party and then it turned into this big thing and and I kind of thought, okay, that's cool. That will die out for after a while. And it just really hasn't. Like, people still keep finding out about it. I mean, a few months ago, a, another guy did a, a Viking funeral for his 30s or for his 20s after he turned 30. Like, mm. he saw my video. He met me. And he was like, I'm going to do that. And I, I can tell you I've had a lot of people that are like, I'm going to do that for my birthday. And I'm like, you're probably not because, <laughs> like, it's a lot of work. Yeah. But this guy did. He made a much smaller ship, but it was really cool. That's and awesome. he had his friends over, and he, like, tagged me in the post. And I was like, whoa, this is really cool. And then even just, like, a few days ago, ago I got an email from somebody that was like I just saw your original Viking video like it inspired me in this way and so it I've done all of these other things since that, but um, like I started a t-shirt company. I've built a bunch of other big cardboard stuff. I've I got 37,000 people to sing Don't Stop Believing on my spring tour <laughs> as part of this stupid video. Yeah. And like I've done all this other stuff and and for whatever reason the Viking ship is the thing that like has the most um momentum or whatever yeah. or, or just power and so I kind of was trying to think like how do I use the power of this idea in a way that's not just about my birthday you know or about me yep. and Can't, so I came up with this idea sorry what sorry I was just gonna say real quick before you move into the next thing I think one, uh, a really good takeaway from this is that uh, that one of the biggest red flags for you that you were onto something was the quality of the feedback was of yeah. a different weight 
to all the other stuff that you've done where this thing that you made, and I think so many people are looking for the quantity of feedback of like, and yeah, this did get featured places, but it wasn't like, like you've done other things that have been, that have had higher views, right? Yeah. I mean, and, and yeah. had more traction or made more money or whatever. But one of the things you noticed, which I think is just a signpost is people, this changed people's lives, so to speak, uh, yeah. at least uh, and by I their think own admission. Also, I had no idea that it would be this thing, you know? And right. I think that like, there's this uh, thing that I think Nathan Barry talks about of, of the equal odds rule of just like you have like there's stuff that you work on so hard and then you launch it and it's like crickets. Yes. And then there's other stuff that you just kind of like think up and you're like, oh, this will be fun. And you do it. And then it's like explodes. And it basically he says that everything has equal odds of being good or being big or being viral yeah. or whatever. And he's like, so you're you're what you need to do is just keep putting stuff out. Totally. And so I just always try to just like keep having projects going and then I'll let the project do what it does. Like yeah. I try to optimize that the best that I can and get the best coverage or whatever and spread it. But like, I, I don't like try to put all of my eggs into one project because I've just seen that go wrong too many times. Yeah. So, and so you um, got all this quality feedback and it kind of stuck more than other things. And so you've decided to take yeah, it to the so next level. I, it's kind of like so you did a bunch I, of I, tests and then this one is kind of the one that rose to the top and you're like, all right, now I'm going to put more eggs in that basket. So, yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. And, and there, and there's different levels. It's not an all or nothing thing. There's been other videos that like did pretty well. And I was like, Oh, that's, that's pretty cool. Like I'm going to put extra effort into continuing to get that to spread. And, yeah. and, uh, and so, yeah, you just kind of see what rises to the top. So for this one, um, it, it kept going and I, I kept having people talk about it in, in really, uh, uh, powerful ways, you know, that it impacted them. And so I was thinking, how could I take the momentum of this and do something with it. And so uh, this year I'm having another Viking funeral. Um, but basically this one is, is not about me. It's about all of us. And mm. so the idea is that in my experience, as I've, I've, I just realized the other day, I've spoken to over 200,000 uh, teenagers now. I've, I'm, by the end of this month, I will have given my 500th paid talk. Um, and like I've just met a lot of people and I've gotten a lot of emails and heard their stories and I've had conversations with them. And I realized that for so much, so, so many of us, like the thing that is holding us back is not actually an outside factor. Like we think, oh, I don't have enough money. I don't have enough power. I don't have enough influence. I don't have enough reach. I don't have enough whatever. And in, in truth, those are just the excuses that we use. But really the thing holding us back is us. Like we have this something inside of us that tells us this isn't going to work or I'm not good enough or I shouldn't try or I failed in the past or whatever and it's like these regrets and these this this person that we used to be that keeps us from becoming the person that we want to be mm. and so i thought what if i had a viking funeral for the person that we used to be like what if you just put all that stuff behind behind you and said okay i'm gonna not let that affect me anymore i'm going to that was then and this is now that's the person i used to be that's not the person i am anymore and so what i've been doing is um i'm building another viking ship it's way bigger than the last one it's 16 feet tall it's 40 yeah. feet long the old <laughs> ship which was really big the old ship was huge the old ship would fit inside the new ship like comfortably like yeah. russian nesting doll situation yeah. and uh and and so why one of the reasons i made it bigger was because i just always have to make things bigger than they were yeah. the last time yeah. i'm always like how can it be different and bigger and better but the other reason was um in the little mini documentary that my friends made, uh, probably like my favorite moment of that video is there's this kid, his name's Ian. He's like, I think he was like eight at the time. And he's standing there looking at the ship and the ship was eight feet tall. And I mean, he's four feet tall yeah. probably. And so he's just like looking up and his jaw just drops and his eyes are wide. And he's just like, whoa. And I thought, 
oh, like if I build the ship 16 feet tall, everyone has to look at it like yeah, that. <laughs> like I awesome. want people to have to like look up and be like, whoa, this thing's big. Yes. So it's a, a much bigger ship. And, um, and it's like, I'm having to, I rent a warehouse and like put wooden structural framing inside of it to make sure it's like sound. Um, but then I'm just building like the frame of the ship and skinning it with cardboard and all that. But the actual dragon uh, on this Viking ship, if you've never seen a Viking ship, it's like a canoe with dragon tail and a dragon head. And so the dragon tail and the dragon head are all being made out of things that people send me. And so I've been asking people to take a four inch by six inch note card. So they're all the same four by six white note card, no lines, just blank and then write down what's the thing that you're letting go of what's the thing that you want to put in the past it can be one word it can be a paragraph i've gotten stuff where it was just like one word that just said anger or just said anxiety or fear and then i've gotten stuff where people would write like their life story on this note card of just like this happened to me and i'm tired of letting that like drive where i go in my life i want to put that behind me and everything in between so it can be any it can be a word it can be a phrase it can be a paragraph um and then it can be something that happened to you it can be something Something that you did that you haven't been able to forgive yourself for it can be a fear it can be a false belief about yourself or about the world that you're saying i need to let go of that and basically what's keeping you from moving forward and then you send that into me and then i'm taking all of those and i'm turning each individual card into a scale on the dragon and so this mm. thing is going to be just skinned with roughly by my calculations it'll need about 10,000 scales and so 10,000 people's worries and fears and and things that are holding them back and I'm going to skin this entire dragon with these and then at the end of whenever this is done probably next summer sometime um, I'm going to take it out into a field somewhere and set it on fire and just as this symbolic like hey we're putting all of that stuff behind us and and we're just looking forward to what our lives could become yeah. so I uh, that's, that's the general outline of the project I announced it uh, about two or three weeks ago and it's it's been nuts, Andy. Like I've, I've been getting like hundreds of cards in the mail. Like sometimes I'll get an envelope that just has one card in it from just somebody. And, and, uh, I I got like this one card the other day where this girl just wrote like, uh, something about, she wasn't accepted into the college that she wanted to get into. Mm -hmm. And that, and she's like, I, I'm like, I'm over that now. Like I'm moving on from that because like, I'm not going to be the person who lives my whole life going, why didn't I get into this, this college? And then I've gotten other ones where it was like hundreds and hundreds of cards, like, like a whole school will do it together or like a group will do it or a student council will do it together or something like that. And, and so it's, it's been just so cool to see, um, to see these cards come in. I've gotten cards at events where uh, I've been doing them. I set up table at this event the other day and kids were coming up and filling out the cards and it was really awesome just to watch the diversity of response there yeah. like some some students would you know kind of like they'd go around the corner or they'd like use their shoulder or their hand to like shield what they were writing and they would like flip it over and put it in the basket you know and shuffle yeah. it up or they would like fold it in half and then other car- kids were like really open they're like let- letting their friends see what they're writing down they're sharing it with them it's like this accountability thing of like i'm letting go of this you're letting go of this and mm. it's just been really really a cool and experience had- and and i've had i mean multiple people told me they cried when they watched the launch video mm. And, and I've just, I've been getting emails from, like, I got emails from a school in China that was like, we don't have four by six note cards here, but we've got a guy who's visiting the United States in a couple of weeks and he's going to bring back enough for our whole school to do it. Crazy. And I was like, that is incredible. Like this crazy, silly idea for my birthday has now turned into this thing that is having like emotional impact on, on people around the world. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, 
I the I emailed it to a friend of mine whose feedback I very much respect, and he's a Disney Imagineer, and he wrote back and he's like, I think this video is awesome. I think that the one problem that you have is you're going to get way too many note cards, and yeah. so uh, that's that's a good problem to have, um, and and I think uh, I'm excited to see what happens. So. And you've had a <clears throat> you've had a range of replies from eating disorders to you know uh, abuse from the past all kinds of different varieties and oh yeah all the I way mean, there's been go ahead all the way to funny stuff too I mean there's been I like I, I had a girl that walked up and, and handed a card in that said my sexual assault experience yeah. and then she was just broke down in tears and, and I talked to her for probably I don't know 20 minutes about yeah about this and 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 she's just like this you could tell this was this huge thing for her and um and she's crying and i'm crying and yep. and then i've had people that wrote you know silly stuff i had at the same event another girl wrote uh i want to what was it? She said, my impulsivity and I want to start eating healthier. And then she wrote, example, no mini muffins. And, <laughs> and I was like, so she wants I to burn mini muffins hilarious. from her past. Yeah. yeah. Like mini muffins are, are no and longer. And you had one that said and- clowns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I tend to do that one. Uh, and it, it's funny because in context of the group, like, I think it was like a slang thing where they were just like, oh man, I'm done with these clowns. And, uh, like they were talking to actual people, but they didn't, I didn't know that. And so I just read this card. It says clowns. And, and I was Adam, like, I don't know. Yeah. I'm just choosing to interpret that literally as like, I literally had a bad experience put, like, interacting yeah. with clowns anymore. Yeah, so I good. saw that new it movie and that just wrecked clowns for me forever. I need to move on. From this, I can't. Yeah, get past so that. it's been cool. I think that it's been cool to see the like again the just the diversity of response and how people respond to this. And there's been funny stuff. There's been emotional stuff. And then there's been like combination stuff where you can tell that somebody started the card as like a joke and then they turned it into something serious. Mm. And so um, like that that I think it was the one that the the mini muffins one. The first thing that she wrote was like my smelly farts and then crossed it out. And it was and I'm, I'm just like reading this and I'm probably way over it. But I'm like she I, I know who she was because she came up and yeah. talked to me later. And uh, I was like, oh, I could tell she's a person that like me struggles with always wanting to be funny. Yeah. And like sometimes there's that temptation of like, well, then you sacrifice meaning. Yeah. And so I think that she realized, oh, I can treat this as a joke, which was her initial response. And then she's like, oh, or I can take this really seriously. And then she ended up writing down, you know, like I, I she told me, I really do struggle with eating mini muffins. It's a problem in my yeah. life. And then there was another kid who he, he wrote uh, something about like, I want to stop writing on my friend's arms with Sharpies mm. and everyone was using Sharpies at this event. So I'm like, he, he was probably being, you know, just a smart Alec and he yeah. was writing all over his friends with his Sharpie. And then he wrote that as a joke. But then after that, he wrote something else. that was like really emotional that he really actually wanted to let go of. Yeah. So it's just interesting to watch the way that like people in, in the course of a four by six note card can go on a journey of, yes. of, Oh, this is, I'm not taking this seriously on. Oh, you know what? I actually am going to start taking this seriously now so it's been it's been really cool that's amazing and i uh i love it because you know when i started this podcast i thought that it would be about tips and tricks about marketing and stuff like that and there is still a lot of that but ultimately on my journey and and reflecting on everything that's worked for me uh, i've realized that the biggest obstacle is your own mind and that you yeah. progressing forward, nothing counts more than figuring out the self-sabotaging and the things in your own mindset and your perspective and your self-worth and all that stuff that is sabotaging you and you don't really know it. And I think yeah. that this is such a, an amazing exercise uh, to, yeah, to grapple with Yeah, and it's cool because that. I think that, that um, I kind of – I thought – 
when I first launched, I was like, I'm not sure if this is going to be like a thing that people think is like too, you know, showy or like this is too much about me or whatever. But, uh, uh, you know, and, and I realized, I think part of that doubt came from like, there's no power in just writing something down and throwing, like setting it on fire. That doesn't take clowns out of your life, you know? Uh, it doesn't, whatever that thing is, it's not going to disappear because you wrote it on a card. Yeah. But, and so I was a little bit self-critical about that. And, but as I've seen the response, I realized, oh, there actually is something like for some people writing it down is like an emotional thing. Yes. And there were like, uh, just uh, at this event the other day, uh, this, there were some kids who would kind of put it in there and just like walk, you know, slink back into the crowd. Like they didn't want to be identified by their card or whatever. And then there were other people who were like, would throw it down, like slam it into the yeah. basket. And this one girl goes, Ooh, feels good to be done with that. And that's I was just crazy. like, man, that's, that's cool. You know? And, and kids were like crying, you know, yeah. I've seen people in tears just from writing on a card with a Sharpie. Mm. And, and so I think that there is something to that. And there's something to just giving people permission, yeah. like just mentioning, giving people permission and saying, Hey, by the way, the person that you were yesterday doesn't have to be the person that you are tomorrow. Yeah. And a lot of this project came from this Alan Watts quote where he says, you're under no obligation to be the person that you were five minutes ago. Yes. And it's so funny because that's such a powerful quote. And, and it's like him, me reading that or hearing him say that um, was like a moment for me where I go, oh, I don't, you know, I yeah. don't have to be that person anymore. I can redefine myself whenever. And it was that information that I was like, I want to share that with other people. And it's been really powerful for other people to just realize, oh, I thought I had to keep carrying this and I don't. Yep. Yep. That's amazing. So we wanted to do a thing with Creative Pep Talk and just do a challenge where, and, and you can do this anonymously. That's totally fine. If you want to send in a card to Kyle, I'll have note, I'll have uh, stuff in the show notes about how to do that and a link to his stuff. Um, but we're also uh, wanting to do this in, in a different way with a hashtag CPT uh, Viking funeral where you create your card and, and share it online on Instagram or Twitter. And uh, you can draw it, you can write it out, you can do whatever you want. But uh, I just wanted to extend this to my audience because I think it's uh, yeah, super powerful and, uh, incur and I'm going to yeah, do I would one, love to so. see that. I yeah. think it would be really cool to see, um, you know, again, like what, what are the things that you want to let go of and they're holding you back? And I think it would be great to see like how an artist would express that because so many of the, of the cards that I've gotten have, have been text. Most of them are text and some people draw a little doodle or whatever, but I would love to be able to share that stuff because whatever I share, I get more of whenever I share, uh, some card that says anxiety on it, pe people will write anxiety on their card. Cause they're like, Oh yeah, I want to let go of that too. So I think by sharing, sharing cards that, that talented artists and illustrators and creatives are, are sending in that will give other students who maybe aren't like great at verbally expressing stuff, but they're like, Oh man, I would draw all over that card and yep. send it in. It gives them permission to go, Oh, that's a thing I can do too. So I would love to see the kind of stuff that you guys uh, want to send in. If you want to, if you, I'm Andy, will probably put a link in the show notes and stuff. And, but if you want to watch the launch video or learn more about it, or even just get instructions on like where to send the cards and stuff. Um, I, I bought vikingfuneral.me and it just redirects to that page. <laughs> So right. um, awesome. uh, you, you, I would love it for, for you to share the video and, and get in touch if, if uh, you know, if, if it's impacted you in some way. Well, this was super fun. Yeah. And uh, if, yeah, audience, I love you guys. You are my people. And uh, if there's ever any way that I can help, I'm at Kyle Sheely on Instagram and Twitter and kylesheely.com. Vikingfuneral.me will take you there too. So awesome. You guys have been fantastic. Thank you, man. Thank you so much. This has been great. Kyle, thank you so much for sharing all of this lovely goodness. We love you so much. Uh, you're the best, man. Thanks for being on the show, and thanks for all of 
the time you've invested in my life through these various uh, conversations. Don't forget to go fill out your Viking funeral cards and uh, you can use hashtag CPT Viking funeral. I think that this exercise of writing down uh, things that you want to move on from is actually super powerful. And in my life, I think some of the biggest breakthroughs I've ever had uh, have come from when I've realized that I'm, I'm carrying uh, an identity or I'm carrying a, uh, a burden that somebody named me with that wasn't actually true. You know, whether that was, oh, I'm always going to be a procrastinator. Always I'm going to fail or I'm always going to, you know, not make good money or I'm, you know, whatever it is. There's a bunch of different stuff, Uh, especially I think your teenage years. I think you're so jacked up in that your brain's not fully developed and your hormonal (laughs) stuff's going on that your sense of identity gets built in this time when you're not really yourself at all. And I just think that this, uh, I'm, I'm super grateful for the work that Kyle's doing in the world and uh, take advantage of it. Go be a part of this thing. I think it's really uh, fantastic. All right. Thanks to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme music. Thanks to Nate Utesh. I love talking about Nate Utesh only, well, for two reasons. One reason, because his name is fun to say and also because he is fun to hang out with. I love Nate. Uh, his band Metavari for the other tunes thanks to Alex Sugg for not only editing this thing so beautifully but also adding in some of his own tunes that that has really uh, rounded this thing out and I'm so into it if you're liking the new vibes you can thank Alex if you're hating the new vibes you can keep it to yourself because uh, I love Alex (laughs) and he's a good guy and I don't care what you say um, thanks to all of you guys for listening every week. Dudes, this is the start to a few episodes that we're going to do about the new year, goal setting, the new you, letting go of the old you, walking into a fresh season. Nothing makes me happier than walking into a fresh season. Oh my goodness, 2018, I'm so ready to freaking tear you to shreds. I'm pumped. I got some ideas to bring to you about goal setting that I'm thrilled out of my mind about that I've used in my own life that's been really helpful in 2017. I've got some uh, s- some jazz. We're going to get jazzed out of our minds for 2018 and uh, it's going to be a good time. Let's do it. Then I've got another plan in the future that I can't tell you anything about except for I'm so excited about it. I feel like 2018 is going to be the year where Creative Pep Talk levels up to levels that we've never imagined before. Secret bonus levels unlocked that were never foreseen. I've got big plans, awesome stuff. I'm so freaking excited for, uh, I'm clearly very excited. I'm, <laughs> I'm visibly, ex- I'm, uh, uh, Verbally excited is what I'm trying to say um, about 2018 and the next episodes and the plans for the new series that are coming after that. Stay tuned and until then, stay pepped up.